Welcome to Vedic Mythology, Music, and Mantras. I'm Ben Collins. This week we continue with part two on the different forms of Ganesha, Shiva's son, who was the remover of obstacles, among other roles. And this podcast is presented by Pujanet, P-U-J-A dot N-E-T, your Vedic resource on the web. The last podcast covered the different forms of Ganesha, as elaborated in the Ganesha Purana. In those stories, Ganesha appears on earth four times in four different forms, one for each of the four yugas, or major time periods of creation. So it starts with a ten-handed Mahotaka Vinayaka, who rides on a lion in Satyuga, and then a form called Sri Mayuresh, who has six hands and rides a peacock in Treta Yuga, in Dwapara Yuga, Sri Gajanana appears with four hands, is red in color, and rides Mushika, the mouse. Finally, in Kali Yuga, Sri Dumraketu appears with two hands, riding on a horse, and is the color of smoke. In the Mudgala Purana, it's presented a little differently. Rather than being linked to the passage of different periods of time, there are eight forms of Ganesha, and the purpose of each one is to destroy a particular demon. But these are much more symbolic of the nature of spiritual growth. So, for example, the first form is Vakratunda, who rides a lion and who has the nature of Deha Brahma. He subdues the demon Matsara, who symbolizes rivalry. This particular demon was born out of Pramada, of Indra, meaning through some inattention. As is usually the case, the demon goes off, he gains the blessings of Shiva through many, many years of meditation, and then sets off to conquer the three worlds. Eventually, he becomes the king of the demons, having been crowned by Shukracharya, the guru of the demons. Of course, the devas were then in trouble and much harassed by Matsara, so off they go to Mount Kailash to ask for Shiva's help. But even there, Matsara followed them, engaged Shiva in battle, and defeated Shiva. Dattatreya came and told them to use the mantra Gum to invoke the, ray, uh, the grace of Lord Vakratunda, which they did. And after some time, Vakratunda, also known as Ganesha, appears. And he was so immense and powerful that after one look, the demon Matsara simply gave in and returned the worlds to the devas. So here's how the spiritual symbolism might work out. The demon, or problem, came from a lack of attention by Indra. Indra in these stories generally represents the mind, and he's supposed to be in control of the senses, which are referred to as the Indriyas in Vedic philosophy. The Indriyas are the various gods, the devas, because the senses illumine or give light to the world. For example, the eyes give light to or make apparent the world of forms, the ears illumine the world of sounds, etc. And in a way, I think we usually consider this in a backwards manner. We think that the world exists and that we receive our information or perception 
through the senses in a sort of passive observational manner. But this text suggests that it's indeed a little bit different as if our awareness or consciousness is projected outward through the senses in order to illumine or perceive the world. And all of these stories tend to say that one demon or another has conquered the three worlds, and in one sense it means that they control heaven, earth, and the underworld. But there's another possible interpretation that the three worlds are analogous to the different states of consciousness that we experience, waking, dreaming, and sleeping. So when the stories say that the demon conquers the three worlds, it means that the quality that is symbolized by the demon has so pervaded the individual that it colors all his states of consciousness. In other words, everything that he does. So if Matsara was symbolic of rivalry or jealousy, then the story seems to be saying that when we give in to that, nothing can satisfy us because even Shiva was defeated. But by doing mantra japa or meditation for Vakratunda, using the gum mantra, this demon is defeated easily. It's also interesting to note that the demon is not destroyed, but rather brought under control because the qualities can be useful when they are controlled. So the eight forms are Vakratunda, riding a lion, and he conquers Matsara, who represents rivalry or jealousy. Ekadanta, riding a mouse, conquers Madatsura, who represents conceit or self-importance. Mahodara, also riding a mouse, conquers Lobasura, representing greed and covetiveness. Lambodara, riding a mouse, conquers Krodasura, who represents Kroda or anger. Vikata, riding a peacock, subdues Kamaksura, representing Kama or lust. Vignaraja, who rides the celestial serpent Sesha, on whom Vishnu rests, and he conquers Mamatsura or attachment. And finally, Ganesha appears as Dumravarna and conquers Abhimana Asura representing pride. So, in this sense, he systematically conquers the six great enemies of man, Kama, Kroda, Loba, Moha, Mada, and Matsarya, with their two friends, Mamata and Abhimana, going from the grossest to the most subtle. And no doubt, like many of these stories, they are intended to facilitate teaching as much as anything else, so there's really no problem with the discontinuity with the Ganesha manifestations in the previous podcast that came from Ganesha Purana. In fact, it does serve to remind us that the divine can appear in any form, but all of the activities are simply to assist us on our spiritual journey. So some of the other stories about Ganesha are very amusing, and we'll include one here about the time when he was invited to join Kubera, the treasurer of the gods for lunch. As it happened, Kubera visited Lord Shiva and, feeling rather full of himself, invited Shiva to go back with him to his palace for lunch. And Shiva declined, but said that his very young and very attractive son, Ganesha, would gladly attend. But he cautioned Kubera, saying that Ganesha was a particularly voracious eater. No problem, said Kubera. I can feed him anything he likes, after all. I'm rich. So Shiva called for his son, who held on to the little finger of Kubera, 
as they walked off together to his pushbaka, his celestial aircraft, for the quick trip back to Kabera's palace. After a brief rest, the two of them settled down to a magnificent lunch. Ganesha started to eat, and he was enjoying his food so much that he started to eat faster and faster. A whole army of servants couldn't bring food fast enough because as soon as it was placed before him, it just simply disappeared into his stomach. So Ganesha walked into the kitchen and started to eat everything that he could find, cooked and uncooked. Then he started to eat all the cooking vessels, and then the furniture, and then everything he could see, even the trees and the houses of Kubera's city. Of course, everyone was afraid, and Kubera quickly ran to his vehicle and sped off to ask Shiva what to do. Well, Shiva calmly laughed and said, I warned you that he was a voracious eater. And then he gave Kubera a small handful of puffed rice, saying this will satisfy his hunger. So Kubera raced off and gave Ganesha the handful of puffed rice with great devotion, and instantly Ganesha was full. So, of course, the intention was to cu is to cure Kubera of his pride at being so wealthy, and to show him that ultimately anything you think you can own can be lost, and it is only through humble devotion and service that you truly have safety in life. If you're wanting to add a puja to your daily or weekly routine, then Ganesha is a great place to start. Ganesha is supposed to be very easy to reach and easy to please, so your puja practice will be very effective even right from the beginning. Traditionally, there are 16 items offered in a Ganesha puja, and they are somewhat similar to what you would do to welcome an honored guest into your home. You start with a vahanam, a greeting or an invocation. You offer an asanam, a place to sit. Padyam, some water to wash the feet. Argyam, water to wash your hands. Achamaniam, water to drink. Snanam, a bath. Vastram, some clothes to wear. Yagnapavitram, the sacred thread. Gandhan, some fragrant sandal paste. A pushpamala, a flower garland. Some dupam is lit, some incense for smell. Deepam, light is offered. Naivedyam, fruits or sweets to eat. Tambulam, the beetle leaf, which is an after-dinner digestive. Niranjanam, sacred light. Arartekyam, burning camphor. And then finally, Pradakshina, which is circumnabulation or walking around the deity as a gesture of respect. Now you can see each of these 16 steps demonstrated in a video that I've posted on the Mythology Podcast page. The pujas performed by Sita Ramashastri, our chief priest in Kanchipuram. So you can see the whole puja being performed by him, step by step, with the transliterated Sanskrit on the screen as well. The power of a puja is derived from the combination of the physical actions of the person performing it and the offerings as listed above and especially through the recitation of the mantras. There's another level that is somewhat behind the action that is both subtle and symbolic and I think quite interesting. For example, here's some of the symbolism for offering a flower 
which is done during the puja in, in conjunction with a recitation of some of the names or mantras of the deity. So if you're doing a short puja and will recite the 16 names of Ganesha, as opposed to say 108 or 1008 names, you would, for example, say Om Sumukaya Namaha and offer a flower at the feet of the deity. Well, flowers represent vasanas, which in Sanskrit literally means fragrance, but in reality they are the impressions that we accumulate inside of ourselves as a result of the experiences that we have, both positive and negative. As a whole, our vasanas make up what you could think of as our personality in both its positive and negative aspects. So when we're offering flowers, they are symbolic of our offering of our vasanas. The person performing the puja is symbolically offering all the limited aspects of his personality to the divine. When you pick up a flower, you naturally use all five fingers, which are symbolic of the five senses, taste, touch, sight, smell, and sound. Our fingers naturally start out pointing downwards, just as we are primarily aware of the world, but as we pick up the flower, it's a natural motion to turn our palm upwards and towards the puja deity, symbolic of turning our attention towards something more transcendent or fundamental than the world. If you watch a priest perform a puja, you'll notice a slight movement of their hand to the side of their heart, symbolic of offering the flower from their spiritual heart. At this point, they say the mantra like Om Sumukaya Namaha, and as they say Namaha, their arm is extended towards the deity, palm up, and the flower is released. So with practice, this conscious, many-layered act becomes very automatic, and the art of performing a puja becomes genuinely fun, as it should be. You notice that there's a naturalness to a well-performed puja. It's not overly solemn. Although it is focused, it's a ritual, but it's not performed blindly. And even with a little practice, anyone can experience what a puja should be, a simple form of communion with whatever form of the divine one likes best. So first, we'll listen to Ganesha Pancharatnam, five very sweet melodic verses about Ganesha. And since I've been able to find a good transliteration of it, and English translation, I will post a link to that on the website in the show notes for this particular podcast. And then we'll end with Ganesha Upanishad. This is quite lively rendition, very melodic, and one of my all-time favorites. And that'll be it for this week. So thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Namami Tambi
श्री गणपति अथर्वशीर्षोपनिषत् भद्रं कर्णे शृणुयामेवा भद्रं पश्येमाक्षुस्तनोमेमेवु स्वस्ति नो वृद्रश्रवा स्वस्ति नूषा विश्व स्वस्ति नस्ताक्षो अरिष्टनेमि स्वस्ति नो बृहस्पतिर्दा शाति 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 नम नमस्ते गणपतमे प्रत्यक्ष तत्वसीवल कर्तासीमें कवल धर्तासीवल हर्तासीव खल ब्रह्मासी सत्यम वच्मी अवत्वमाअवक्तारमवक्तारमवधाताधाता ष्टति जगदिदमेश्यगदिदि प्रत्येतीमिरापो नलो नीलो नभवाक्मता पदाणीत्रयादीतीतमूलाधारस्थि निमक ध्यायुस्तुस्तुस्तुस्तुस्तुस्तुस्तुस्तुस्तुस्तुस्तुस्तुस्तुस्तुस्तुस्तुस्तुस्तुस्तुस्तुस्तुस्तुस्तुस्
ರಕ್ತಗಂಧಾನುಲಿಪ್ತಾಂಗಂ ರಕ್ತಪುಷ್ಪೈಸುಪೂಜಿತ ಭಕ್ತಾನುಕಂಪಿನಮ್ಯುತ ಆವಿರ್ಭೂತಂಚಸೃಷ್ಟ್ಯಾಧೋಪ್ರಕೃತೆಪುರುಷಾತ್ಪರಂಭೋಧರಾಯಿಘ್ನವಿನಾಶ